This is awesome. I love being with you guys. I have wanted to be with your church for a long time. Um, and you know how it is when you're leading your own church, you don't have the time to get out and visit all your friends' churches. That's one of the downers of being a pastor. Because like all your friends are pastors, but then I need to get rid of this. But then you can't go out and visit your friends because you got your own church going on. But um, this, so this is great for me to, to be here with you and to have John with me uh and we're we're excited to be here with you um ben has become uh a good friend of mine over the last several years and uh and we've been uh getting to know each other and he's just been a really good partner in bringing other pastors together and praying together once a month and then helps he was really instrumental in getting the holy spirit nights started on uh the first saturday night that that we have the privilege to host and lots of other pastors participate and help lead that. So I don't actually feel like I lead it. We just get to open the doors and welcome everybody in and we just have a great time together. So uh, it's just, it's really good to be here with you. And um, Ben invited me to come and share with you how I move in gifts of the spirit, particularly in um, uh, ministry out on the streets, outside the church. It's just, it's a particular gift and passion of mine. And uh, the only thing I enjoy as much as being out on the streets and praying for people is sharing that with other churches and activating and imparting um, to other, other believers. Just the joy and the excitement and the adventure of, of just sharing with what God is doing all over the place and particularly in our city. And so um, I have good news for you up front. I love to share the good news first before we get started with anything else. As followers of Jesus, you are loved Amen. and you're free. Yes. <laughs> and you have been you have been given power and authority and you have been sent by him to free and to love others. You've been given power and authority and you've been sent by him to love and free others. Is that good news to anybody? Yeah. All right, so I'm going to be talking. If you want to follow along with me, I'm going to be in Luke. I'm going to start at Luke 7 with the story of the centurion and Jesus. And by way of a little bit of introduction, I'm going to tell a lot of stories. And um, I use this passage because this passage illustrates for you how I operate in faith. This is the way the Lord has shown me and taught me how to move the way I move with his spirit. It, there's a lot about how faith works in this passage. So I'm going to read the passage to you. When Jesus finished saying all of this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There was a centurion servant whom his master valued highly, he was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. 
That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority with soldiers under, under me. I tell this one go and he goes to that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowds following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. The word of the Lord. I think we should pay attention when Jesus is amazed. There are only two places in the Gospels where Jesus is amazed. This one, and where he preaches for the first time in Nazareth and is amazed at their lack of faith. (laughs) That he could only do a few miracles. Now, most of us would consider a few miracles a good meeting. (laughs) But Jesus, for Jesus, that was not a good meeting. Not good enough. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. But here, he is amazed at the faith of a pagan. He is amazed at the faith of a commander of 100 elite soldiers in the army that is occupying and oppressing Israel. He's amazed at one who is not part of the nation of Israel. Why is he amazed at the faith of this centurion? This Gentile, pagan, has a revelation of who Jesus is and how Jesus' authority works that no one else around Jesus has gotten hold of yet. Imagine the disciples. Peter's like, dude, give up everything. I'm following you. What? What are you saying? Come on, just come right out. Now, I spent some time as a lieutenant in the Ranger Battalion, and I was a man under authority. And I was a man with authority. And I would tell my guys, hey, we're going over here, come with me, and they would come. I would say, we need to go over there and do that, and they would go. Whose authority was I using? Mine. Authority that was given to me. Now, if I went to my captain, who was over me, over 200, and said to my captain, Hey, captain, you need to go over there and do that. What would he say? Who do you think you are, lieutenant? Am I using my right, the right authority? No. Now, if I happen to be in the headquarters and the colonel, who's over the captain, over 700, said to me, Hey, lieutenant... You go and tell your captain that he needs to go over there and do this. And I went to the colonel, I went to the captain and said, hey, captain, the colonel says we need to go over there. He would say, roger that and move out smartly. Whose authority was I using? The colonel's. That's the right authority, right? So why would Jesus say that he had not seen faith like all of this in Israel? What's the difference about this centurion? 
he was born a free man. With full understanding of, of power. He understood privilege and the freedom that his position gave to him as a Roman. Jews living under oppression and occupation did not understand what it meant to be free. This is what the centurion understood and Jesus called it faith. The disciples did not understand it and the people of their day did not understand it because they were people who had been conquered and had been living under oppression. The disciples and the Jewish nation didn't understand fully who they really were. They had been convinced that they were less than. They thought they were powerless and they were waiting for someone to rescue them. They were waiting for God to rescue them. And they did not recognize, most of them did not recognize that it was Jesus who had been sent by God to rescue them. So friends, as long as we continue to live in any fashion as though we're victims, as though we're not free, very difficult for us to operate in the power and the authority that we have really been given by God to operate as children of His. Free agents to move in His power and His authority. On the other hand, if we insist on remaining independent and alone, with whose power and authority do we operate? Just our own. If we're willing to submit and follow, then those whom we follow give us their protection. They give us their provision. They give us their power, their authority to move and live. This all started for me about 13 or 14 years ago. And a really exciting adventure. I was on staff at a church and we would typically have a prayer time in the middle of the worship set and this uh, father of a teenage daughter in my youth group came for prayer and he could barely walk when he came out of the, got up out of the pew. Someone had to help him come and it turns out as a truck driver, he had jumped out of his truck on Friday, slipped, fell and herniated two discs in his back. Went to the chiropractor. The chiropractor took x-rays. Couldn't help him. Said, you're going to have to go to the doctor. You're going to have to have surgery. I can't touch you. You know, and, and Ross is freaking out on Sunday because he has no insurance. He feels like, he, you know, he's an independent truck driver. He's going to lose his truck, lose his job. I said, Ross, just hold on, hold on. Do you believe Jesus can heal you? And I realized that as soon as I said that, I had actually never asked anybody that question before. And I felt faith just rise up in me, laid hands on him for just 30 seconds. He perks up, opens his eyes. I said, Ross, I think you're healed. 
And he said, I think I am too. And he bends over, twists around, and goes, I don't have any pain. And the guy who was helping him said, I felt heat just shoot down through his back. So Monday, Ross goes back to the chiropractor, gets x-rayed again, no herniated discs, and his back is completely aligned. Now, how many 50-year-old truck drivers do you know have completely perfect backs? I know one now. So as soon as I heard that, I called my dad. I said, you're not going to believe what just happened. He's like, I'll be right there. He drove two hours from Pennsylvania to come and visit me in Maryland. And... So he gets there, and we're sharing test. We're sharing this testimony, just celebrating, praising God. So wonderful to have a dad who shares faith with you. Yeah. So he had had uh, he had almost had a heart attack about six months earlier. Had angioplasty, major damage to his heart. I laid my hand on his chest. Heat went back through his chest for about twenty minutes, and he felt great. He goes back to his cardiologist for his normal like quarterly checkup and the cardiologist puts him on an EKG and says huh that's weird I think we need to have you do a stress test so they get him on a stress test he's running on the on the treadmill they're doing the sonogram thing they're like I can't explain this but you have a 25 year old heart come on this is why I have faith for somebody who needs a brand new liver my dad got a brand new heart. He was 65 at the time. He's now 80. Going strong. Doing missions. Working a farm. After this, my dad and I went to Mozambique to visit Heidi Baker. So we wanted to get where, we wanted to get in front of somebody who was doing this all the time. Right? And so, I mean, we saw miracles that we had only dreamed of seeing. We saw a woman whose eyes were white with cataracts turned brown and her sight appeared. Her sight was restored right in front of our eyes. I prayed for a young boy who had never heard his mother's voice. And because he was deaf, his ears opened and he heard his mother's voice for the first time. We sat in a, a mud hut with the dirt floor with 15 or 20 other pastors under Heidi. None of them had an extra shirt. They were all barefoot. They had all seen people raised from the dead. It was a normal occurrence. Come on, somebody. So, when I came back to Baltimore motivated. Because what had drawn Heidi to Mozambique was she wanted to go where only the gospel could work. Baltimore is the kind of place where only the gospel can work. Amen? Anybody else hear that? That's what drew me into Baltimore. This completely changed my perspective on who I am and why I'm alive. This is how I ended up in East Baltimore. And this is why I'm going to give the rest of my life to see in Baltimore transformed, to see lives changed. So after this, in Luke, Jesus does something extraordinary. You just turn your page over to Luke 9. Jesus called the twelve together. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So what did they do? They did it! They went out! 
They preached the gospel of the kingdom. They drove out demons. They healed the sick. They raised the dead. They did it. How could they do this? How could they do this? Had Jesus, had Jesus died for their sins yet? No. They're completely unredeemed, my friends. Had they been given the power of the Holy Spirit yet? No. Had they been to seminary? No. Were they successful church planters? No. Why could they do this? How could they do this? Because Jesus told them they could. Because Jesus gave them his power, his authority to send them out, and they did it. Come on, friends. So when I got back from Mozambique, I said, Lord, where, what do we do? How do I do this? I started immediately started having dreams of giving coffee away on the corner outside my house. I thought, that's crazy. I, don't, I really don't want to do that. But I had four dreams in a row. After the fourth one, all right, Lord, I give. Okay, okay, I've read books about this. I feel silly, but I'll do it. So I made a bunch of coffee, put it in, a, in one of those drink coolers, took some creamer and sugar and cups out to my corner, Taylor and Harford, tried to give coffee away. Nobody wanted my coffee. Uh, are you crazy? I got my own coffee. Why do you think I need your coffee? This is weird. So I went a mile or two down Harford Road to uh, Harford and um, Northern Parkway. That was, I was a little bit more successful there. A few people wanted my coffee. A couple people let me pray for them. And I thought, I'm, I am not, this is not what I'm looking for. I need something different. So a friend of mine, I linked up with a friend of mine who knew the city better than I did at that point. I was brand new to the city. He said, I know just the place. So we went down to North and Gay. Yeah. 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 No yeah. about. So I take my pickup truck, we park it in front of the Turning Point Methadone Clinic, drop the tailgate, we don't even get the coffee out, and people are already lining up. They're like, I don't know what you got, but I'm getting whatever it is. So the first like the first people to approach us asked for prayer. It was a couple who had been victims of a home invasion. And he he the guy came at him with a big knife. And he put his hand up to stop the knife, and the knife went straight down through his hand. Big scar from right down through the middle of his hand. And the woman had been cut from her ear to her chin. Just a big livid scar. And just destroyed her face. I put my hand on her face first, prayed, took my hand away, the scar was gone. She just started to scream. Everybody around us started to scream. Everybody saw what happened, just and like immediately people are lining up now. Whatever is going on, prayed for him. His hand was completely restored. He still had the scar, but he he had full range of motion left in his hand. So I'm like, all right, Lord, we're staying right here. So we pre- probably prayed for 200 people that morning, and it was just one of those days where just everybody who gets prayer gets healed. And so we, we kept going there for eight years. Every week, just about every week. 
And, I mean, we saw just amazing stuff happen on that street. We saw multiple times, many, many, probably three or four dozen times, people with bullets still in their bodies get healed. The bullet disappears out of their bodies. People in wheelchairs get up, get up and walk. These people completely delivered, immediately delivered from addiction. We saw people heal from diabetes. So I could tell stories all, all morning long just from what happened on that street corner. But we needed to go where people, where only the gospel could work. Then we started to do community meals out in the park. We had friends that were over uh, in the Pimlico neighborhood, um, Righteous Town in Cold Spring. And so we found a little park there, started started making meals, having basically doing a cookout. And just anybody from the neighborhood would come and hang out. And these two guys would come, Andre and Eugene. I mean, they just cracked me up because Andre came one week, one month, and uh, we just did this monthly in the summer months. And um, he was he was basically dying from liver failure. His liver was distended. We laid hands on him, prayed. We felt his liver like go back, like something changed. Like like you could feel his his liver was it. You know what I mean? Like it was hard. You could feel it inside his body. And it went back to normal. He came back the next month and he's like, I don't know what you guys did, but I'm totally healed. Next we said, well, how about your how about your heroin addiction? Pray for that. He gets healed, delivered. He comes back the next month. He's like, this is amazing. I got my I got a new job. I got my house back. I'm reconciled with my family. And I brought my friend Eugene, who'd been shot in the hip, and he was walking with crutches. Another pastor prayed for Eugene. His his hip gets healed, the bullets taken out. He gets a brand new hip. He doesn't need his crutches anymore. And, I mean, just incredible stuff. Um, I'm pretty convinced that the more we do this outside the church, the more it will happen inside the church. We tend to believe that we have to get it right inside the church before we take it outside the church, but it's actually the opposite. The more you do it outside the church, the more it will happen inside the church. Amen? Anybody with me? Okay, so then, further on in Luke, the next chapter over, Jesus sends out the the 72. And I love this, right? Because we know who the 12 are. And even though we know that they're just ordinary folk, right? Right. We don't even know who the 72 are. And I'm sure that there were women in the group. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Because there were women following and supporting the ministry of Jesus. And he sent his followers out. So the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So again, I'll ask you, was this before or after the cross? Before. They're still unredeemed. Is this before or after the Holy Spirit is given? Before. So how did these folks do it? Because Jesus told them they could. Jesus gave them power and authority to go. Y'all know where I'm going with this? One of the best, one of the, one of the most amazing healings I saw on the on the street in the methadone clinic 
Um, we always, people, a lot of people, a lot of our friends kind of treated this methadone clinic coffee giveaway prayer thing like kind of like it was a spiritual amusement park. Like, hey, we want to come and check this out. We heard this was really cool. Can we come? So I had a friend of mine, another pastor from Virginia, brought, came with a couple of his young leaders. And they wanted to see it. They had never seen a miracle. It's almost like, hey, can I come to... They didn't treat it like a sideshow, but it was like, hey, can we come and see? So this young guy, this young pastor, and the, and his young leader came on a Saturday after, came on a Saturday morning. And so we're it's hot. We're giving away iced tea and lemonade and cold water. And I see I see this woman walking down the street toward us, and she's got this really like pronounced limp, like she's got no hip left. But she is young and powerful. Like, she is built like a sprinter. I'm like, there's something really wrong with this young woman. She comes up, and we ask if we can pray for her, and she said, I just destroyed my hip running, running track. She was semi-professional, lost her track career, and she had a failed hip replacement. I mean, she's in her 20s. And so, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> so, this young guy, this young pastor and his young leader go to pray for her. They lay, hip, lay hands on her, and she feels heat go into her hip. And then I said, try to do something you couldn't do before. And I kid you not, I can't do one of these, right? I go to the gym a lot, but I cannot do this. She did a single leg pistol squat. Like all the way down. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not going to demonstrate for you. But you cannot do those unless you cannot do those with a hip replacement. It's physically impossible to do a pistol squat with a hip replacement. Come on, somebody. I mean, that's amazing. I don't know what the Lord did. If he like replaced her, her hip replacement or if like he just changed her hip. Re- I don't know. But all I know is she got a new hip. And her, her, her running days are back on. So I'm intrigued by this idea that Satan, that Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Anybody else intrigued by that? That sounds interesting. Right? I think when we see things like that, we're like... Hmm, what is that about? I think we should ask the Holy Spirit, like, okay, what just happened? What was that about? Now, obviously, we do not have the full answer here. I'm not going to give you, like, this is this is absolutely the answer. I'm just giving you, this is like the, the Baylor theory on what this means, okay? So, you know, you can take it home, test it out, ask the Lord what, what He thinks about this for yourself. But here's what I'm thinking this means. Had anyone before this time, except Jesus, cast out demons? No. This is the first time, I think, this, the reason why Jesus sees Satan fall like lightning from heaven is this is the first time ordinary folk stand up to Satan and kick him in the butt. This is the first time real, this is the first time deliverance is happening on the earth. From this point 
before up to this point, human beings have been subject to Satan's attack without defense. And now suddenly, the church, Jesus followers, turn and go on the offense. And this is the first time Satan has experienced human beings fighting back with power and authority. I think that's a big deal. That changes the game, right? That's a complete turnaround in the spiritual dynamics of creation. Come on. Finally, human beings are able and equipped to come against the enemy of their souls. So Jesus tells the twelve at some point that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. Amen? And we are the church. We are sons and daughters of the King. We are followers of our Lord Jesus, and we are on the offense. Satan has been on the defense since Jesus showed up on the scene. And the game really changed when he gave his followers power and authority to do the same. And he has been on defense ever since. He has been losing ground steadily, day after day after day, since Jesus showed up. He wants to convince you of the opposite. He wants to convince you that he can win, that he is winning, that you should be afraid. But that's completely false. He has less and less and less and less every day. As the kingdom of God advances and advances and advances and advances. The kingdom of God never stops advancing. It never stops growing. There are more believers now on the face of the earth than there have ever been. That means, that's right, glory. That means the glory of the Lord is covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. That means the church is winning. That means Satan is losing. Amen? Amen. So people often ask me, why do so many miracles happen on missions overseas? Anybody else ever ask that question? Wonder that? Why do we always hear and see more about Africa and Brazil, but not in the U.S.? How many stories have I shown, have I told you about Africa? I could have. I could have, I could have told you stories about Tanzania or Mozambique. I think I told you two, right, from Mozambique. Two or three. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mozambique is in Africa. Yeah, it's on East, in East Africa, a beautiful place. But I think that that's the wrong question to ask. I believe, I don't believe that's the right starting point for us. Perhaps the right question to answer or to ask is the question that Jesus repeatedly asks his disciples. Where is your faith? Don't be afraid. Where is your faith? How many times does Jesus ask his disciples that? Over and over and over again. It's like his refrain. Where is your faith? After Jesus died and spent uh, days with his friends, 40 days with his friends, before he ascended to heaven, he comes to them and he says, you all know it, all authority 
in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. You go make disciples of all nations. You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you teach them everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the end of the age. So, who has rescued us? Who has given us new life? Whose power has been given to us? Whose authority do we have? Come on now. What are we commanded to do with that power and that authority? Use it. Go and use it. As followers of Jesus submit themselves to Him, Jesus gives us all of His power and His authority. The the world believes that submission is weakness. The world believes that submission is losing. Because they just don't know. Because when we submit, we gain all. When we submit, we are given everything. Nothing is held back from us. We are given every blessing in heavenly places. If Jesus is Lord, then what will we do? If Jesus is your Lord, then what will you do? If He has given you all power and all authority, what will you do with that? What is the injustice that you want to see undone? What is the brokenness that you want to see healed? What is the poverty that you want to see filled? What is the lack that you want to see satisfied? Come on. Dream. Dream big. What is it that you will do with His Lordship at work in your life? I say, let's take it to the enemy. I say, let's take it to the enemy. I say, let's go and destroy the works of the enemy. I say, let's go and bring life to the dead. I say, let's go and bring wholeness to the broken. I say, let's go and bring provision to the poor. I say, let's go... Give it away. Jesus told his disciples someplace else that those who believe will do what they have seen me doing and even greater things. So what have you, what is it that you cannot even imagine him doing? He'll do that and even more. Who wants it?
Yeah. Who wants it? What will you do? I know all of you, some, many of you have something stirring in your heart right now. And I just say more. More. Come on, more. More of His fire. More of His anointing. God. Lord, that we would know and understand how to move in the power of this anointing, the power of your authority in our lives. That your power would flow into us and through us with efficiency. That there would be nothing in the way that would hinder the work of your love. Into us and through us and out to the rest of the world. That the world would be changed. That all would come to know you. That all would be set free from everything that hinders and binds. That all would be healed and made whole. Thank you, Jesus. Just come. Come with me. Lord, I ask that you awaken vision in every person here. That you would stir up, stir up dreams, stir up visions to do mighty exploits for you. To raise children well to follow you. Come on. To make good friends and be good friends. To turn neighborhoods around. To build community that's beautiful. To bring justice where there is wrong. To bring life where there is death. To bring safety where there is violence. To bring peace where there's conflict. Oh Lord, come on, come on, pour out more. Pour out more. Pour out more. We need it. We want more of it. This is what we need. This is what our city needs. This is what our households need. Our families need. The place of our work. Wherever we go, this is where, this is the need. Lord, you have life. And life abundantly, so we ask for more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just put fire on hands right now, Lord. Put fire on hands for healing. Thank you, Jesus. Awaken and impart right now. Just ask for an impartation, an increase, an increase in anointing for healing, for signs and wonders, for miracles right now, Jesus. Thank you for the healing that already happens in this house, that already comes through these people. But Lord, I ask that you breathe on it and make it more. Strengthen it. Increase it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask for an increase in the prophetic anointing in this house. Lord, that you would raise up prophets to speak truth, to see what you are doing in the heavenlies, to identify what needs to be done on the earth, to bring your goodness and kindness onto the earth, to speak truth with love. Lord, those, those right now who are, who, are, who are already have a desire to move in the prophetic, who are already moving in this way, Lord, who are seers, who are knowers, who are feelers, Lord, I just bless that in Jesus' name. I ask that you increase the gifts. 
right now, Lord. That wherever they are, whether they're on the bus or on the street or in, in work or at school or with their families, Lord, that you would give them words of life, words of encouragement, words of comfort and peace to share with those who are around them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Increase it right now. Increase that gift. Increase revelation in this body. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask right now that you will just put us in the way. That as we meet people on the street, as we meet people in the store, that you will just quicken our hearts to say yes. Quicken our hearts to keep the switch turned on. That we would not walk away from an opportunity to bring life, to bring hope, to bring wholeness to somebody who we know needs it. Just quicken our hearts, Lord, that this body would grow, that that the, the movement of your kingdom, the work of your kingdom would expand all over the city, wherever we are. Thank you, Jesus. Give us more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a, what a privilege it has been to be. I love the Spirit of God that's present in this place.